Erev Tov, good evening. Let us continue in our Agaratha series. We are in the Gemara on page Gimel Amud Aleph, the 3a in whichever Talmud you're using. Or if you're using the En Yaakov, you're going to be seeing the letter Gimel at the top left of the page. If you go to the Zoom invitation, you will find two different PDFs attached. And you can use either one of those. If you recall, we were discussing, and I'll repeat this briefly because I want to start answering some of the questions that you had in front of us. Ad Sof Rishona. Rabbi Eliezer says that you can say Shema Israel from when three stars come out until the end of the first watch. That's the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. My Kasava Rabbi Eliezer, the Gemara asks, what was the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer? I if his opinion is that the night is made up of three parts, three mishmarot, he should have told us that we have until four hours, not that we have until the end of the first watch. And if his opinion was that the night is made up of four parts, he should have told us that we have until three hours. I'm assuming that if you're in the shiur, you reviewed this Gemara a few times until you came here today. So I'm reading superficially because last week I explained. Rather, Rather, of course, the only opinion of Rabbi Eliezer is that the night is made up of three watches. That Rabbi Eliezer is teaching us that there are mishmarot in heaven, and there are mishmarot down on earth. So why is he teaching us? Meaning, what's the question here that the Gemara has? The Gemara says, if Rabbi Eliezer says that the night is made up of three parts, that means there's four hours in each part. He shouldn't have told us until the end of the first watch. He could have just said until the end of four hours. And if he believes the night is made up of four hours, then he shouldn't have told us until the end of the first watch, uh, four parts, he, should, he would have told us the night is until three hours we have time to reach a Israel. So if we know that Rabbi Eliezer holds that the night is made up of three parts, and that means that we have four hours, then what is the purpose of Rabbi Eliezer telling us that you have until the end of the first watch? What does the Gemara answer? It comes to teach us something unique. What does it teach us? Very good. Something is happening above, and there's something on earth that you can see that tells you what is happening above. That's why he uses the language of there are uh, until the end of the first watch. He wants to show you that you as a human being living in this realm, you have the ability <laughs> to discern when the end of the first watch is. Something is happening here. So far, we're on the same page? Yes? Let's continue. The Tanya, we learn. Rabbi Eliezer Omer. Rabbi Eliezer says, Shalosh Mishmarot So Rabbi Eliezer himself is the one who says the night is made up of three parts. That in every one of these watches, HaKadosh Baruch sits and he roars like a lion. Shneemar, like it says in Yirmiyah, chapter 25, 
Adonai mimarom yishag, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu from above will roar. Umimaron kosho yiten kolom, and from his holy place he will, from his holy abode he will raise his voice. Shaog yishag an navehu, roar does he roar over his home, or surely he shall roar over his home. Vesimana davav, And here, one of the signs to this, meaning one of the ways you can know, at the end of the first watch, in the first watch, a donkey brays. Remember? In the second watch, the dogs bark. In the third, Tinok yonek mishede imo. A baby nurses from his mother. Vi'isham saperet imbala. And a woman speaks with her husband. So those are the three signs. The first sign. What's the first sign? The, the donkey. The donkey brain. The second sign? The dog's howling. The dog's howling. And the third? And the mother talks to who? The husband. Her husband. Very good. That's those are the three watches. Very good. So now the Gemara has another question. I'm at the top of page hey in my and Yaakov, but if you're using a regular Gemara, you're in the middle of page three A. My What is the logic here of Rabbeinezer? If he tells us that at the beginning of every watch. One of these signs happened. So the beginning of the night, the donkey brays. The beginning of the second third of the night, the dogs howl. In the beginning of the third part of the night, the baby starts talking, uh, nursing, and the mother starts talking. If that is the case, so why do we need the first sign? Meaning, why do we need the donkey at the beginning of the night. It's nighttime. Once it becomes night, you don't need a donkey to bray. You know that the watch has begun because it's dark outside. So why does he need that? And if he is of the opinion that this refers to there's something happening at the end of the first third of the night, at the end of the second third of the night, at the end of the third third of the night, why do I need a sign at the end of the, the third part? That's already morning. I don't need anything to tell me that it's morning. So if you tell me it happens at the beginning of the night, at the beginning of every watch, I don't need the first one. If you tell me it happens at the end of every watch, I don't need the last one. So what is Rabbi Eliezer telling us? Ela, rather, chashiv sof mishmara rishona, there is something that happens at the end of the first third. Uthilat mishmara charona. And there's something that happens at the beginning of the last third. Vemtsait, demtsaita. And in the middle of the middle one, midnight, there is a sign. And I told you already then that the reason, there's a reason for having, who cares about the middle of the middle? The middle of the middle, there's many halachot connected to midnight, so it helps to know when midnight is. 
ואי בעית אמה, כולו סוף משמרות כחשיב, וכי תאמה אחרונה לא צריך. And if you tell me that Rabbi Eliezer's opinion is that it happens at the end of every part of the night, so the end of the first third, at the end of the second third, at the end of the third third, one of these signs happens. And you're telling me אחרונה לא צריך, you don't need the last one. למאי נפקא מינה? Why do I need the last one? למקרה קריאת שמה, למאן דגנה בבית אפל. This helps a person who reads קריאת שמה in a dark house. ולא ידע זמן קריאת שמה אמת. And he does not know when the time for קריאת שמה is. Oh, we we're going to have to talk about that. So if a person lives in a dark home, and he doesn't know what time it is to say Shema, what time you say Shema. Once a woman begins to speak with her husband, and a baby nurses from his mother, now he knows the time to get up and to read. Rabbi Yitzchak, the son of Shemuel, says in the name of Rav, Shalosh Mishmarot Heve Halayla. There are three watches in the night. Ve'akol Mishmar Mishmar, and in every one of those watches, Yoshev HaKadosh Baruch Hu v'shoeg Kari. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sits, and he roars like a lion. Ve'omer, and he says, Oi, and I told you there's different nuschaot here, I'm just going to read what's in front of me. Oi, labanim she'abavonotahem ichavti et beti, woe to the sons who because of their sins I destroyed my home. ושרפתי את היכלי, and I burnt my היכל, והגליתי את בניי לבין הגויים, and I exiled my sons among the nations. Now Marlene was so kind as to send us a list of questions, which I printed, but I believe that I conveniently left them on the table in my home. You sent us an email with them. I know I sent them to you, but I didn't send it to myself. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I, my iPad has broken, so I'm borrowing Elchanan's iPad for the time being. Let me see if I could pull them up in my own. Yeah, it's in the Google Classroom. Okay, we're going to start answering these questions. Okay, one at a time, we're going to start answering these questions. Yes, I don't have them exactly in front of me, but I sent them out to you so you could have them in front of you. All right, together, I'm learning with you from my notes. So I asked you a question over there about the word Ashmurot, watches. Thank you to Marlene for typing up the questions. They are in your Google Classroom. If you look in the Me'iri, the Me'iri in his commentary on Berachot, Dibur Hamatchil Belashon, or Belashon. If you see here, the Me'iri is one of my favorite Chachamim. He's a very unique French Chacham that unfortunately is not studied as much as he should be. Studied very much, but not properly. He mentions that you find the term Ashmura, Ashmurot, many times throughout the Tanakh, 
Did anybody find any places in the Tanakh with this term Ashmurah or Ashmurot? Ashmurit. You see it all over Tehillim. All, all over Tehillim, you're right. Anyone have a reference in the Mikra itself, in the Chumash? Ashmurah? Ashmurit is the one that I found. Oh, Shmurit. Um, you find a lot in Shemot. Very good, very good. Shemot Yudalid, Shemot, Shemot 1424, Bashmurit Boker, it says there. In the morning, Ashmurit. Yeah, that's very good in Shemot. It's very good to be also. Tehillim, Kufyutet, for example. In Kufyutet, it says, Kadmu Enai Ashmurot. Yeah, over there again, you find the word Ashmurot. Chazal used the word Ashmurah also here. Now, where we're studying. And also in Yoma, on page Chaf Amud Aleph, you find again the use of Ashmurah, Ashmurot. There's an interesting, it's a curiosity, I don't have an answer for why. But normally we say, you see here we say the word Chachamim, switch over from Ashmurah, Ashmurot, to Mishmar, Mishmeret, Mishmarot. I don't know why they sometimes use the word Ashmurah, sometimes Mishmarot or Ashmurot. I don't know why they switch. But the individual mishmeret is normally in, in plural mishmarot. That's normally how it is. Uh, but we find also here especially that Chachamim are using mishmar or mishmara and they're saying mishmarot also. So there's sometimes a little bit of a different uh, use, but I don't know why. I just wanted to show you that there are different words that are used throughout the Torah, throughout the Nevi'im and the Kiduvim, and especially in the writings of Chachamim, and they're slightly different, but they're all referring to the same thing. So what exactly is a mishmeret? Exactly mishmeret, the Tosfot Yom Tov, quotes Rashi. And Rashi says that anybody who is memuneh al-tafkid, anybody who is given any type of job, you have a job, that job is called your mishmar, your mishmeret. So this term, like we use the word watch, we called it a watch. We mentioned there are heavenly angels that have a job. So because it's a job, the Kohanim have a job, the angels have a job. Those are called mishmarot. Mishmar means a, a watch, a guard. It's something that you're doing. The chizkuni. Chizkuni is one of the rishonim. In the book of Shemot, in Pasuk, Yudalad Chavdalad, so 1424. The chizkuni says the word mishmeret also means something else. You want to read this with me? If you look in the next section of your Gemara, so right after the story in En Yaakov, there's a story here that it's not time for us to learn this story. Not that I've ever learned, sir, but let's read the beginning of it. So if you're in the En Yaakov, you're going to look on page Vav. If you're in your Gemara, it's still in the middle of page 3a. Tanya, Amar Rabbi Yoseh. Rabbi Yoseh says, Pa'am achat ha'iti mehalech baderech. One time, I was walking along the road. This is who's telling the story? Rabbi? Yoseh. Don't tell me Rabbi Yosi. There's no Yossi. Yossi, this is the name. Yossi is your friend who sells you shawarma in the shuk. I don't know who Yossi is. Amar Rabbi Yossi. Rabbi Yossi says, Pa'am achat ha'iti mehalech baderech. One time I was walking along the road. V'nichnasti l'chuba achat mechovot Yerushalayim l'tpalel. And I entered one of the ruins of Yerushalayim to pray. Uva Eliyahu Zachulatov, and Eliyahu Hanavi, may he, blessed, may he be blessed, 
remember for a blessing, appeared to me. And he waited for me by the door. So imagine you're walking along the road. You need a place to play Amida, a place to pray Amida. And you find the old building that the nations of the world ruined. The haters of Israel ruined this building. So you go inside to pray. You want a quiet place to pray. As he was praying, Eliyahu Navi came, Veshamar li ala petach. What is Shamar li? Rashi writes, Veshamar, Vehimtin, and he waited for me. Kemo lo yomar adam lechavero shemor li. Okay, this is uh, what I wanted to show you. Here, here, then. Uchmo, Vaviv Shamar et adavar, like we find in Bereshit 37. What does it say, Vaviv Shamarat Adavar? Which Pasuk is this? What is it referring to? Very good. Uh, yeah, right? Uh, that he, his father is keeping this himself, or he's waiting, uh, this term, Hamtana. Yes? So here you find the Chizkuni says, like I told you in Shemot, the Chizkuni says you find the word Mishmar or Mishmeret doesn't necessarily mean a watch. It also means it's something that people are waiting for. How does that fit in here? The Mishmarot, every watch, the angels are waiting for when the opportunity will come, when will it be their time to praise HaKadosh Baruch Remember we said that at every change of the guards, the angels praise HaKadosh Baruch So the angels are Mishmeret. They're waiting in order to have the opportunity to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's why they're referred to as Mishmarot. Yeah? So two different understandings of the word Mishmar or Mishmeret. Now I was trying to find a Pshat significance. What do you mean Pshat? I am going to have a lot of things to tell you afterwards about why the night is broken up into three, why the night is broken up into four, from the Mekubalim, from the Philosophim, from the Hasidim. I didn't want to go there yet. I wanted something al Pashat. And you know what? I found it in the most unusual place. In the writings of Rabbi Adin Steinzaltz, in his notes on the Gemara, he writes something which doesn't have a source. I wish it would have a source. I couldn't find the source for it. But he says... That Chachmei Yisrael are having a conversation about how many watches the night has. Because like we went, these are watches that happen above, things happen below. What is happening below? Harav Steinzaltz writes that the Greek army, they separated their shifts into three. There are three shifts in the Greek army. The Romans, on the other hand, the Romans, they separated their shifts into four. And... Rav Steinzel suggests that Chachmei Israel are really asking a question. So now based off of Jewish law, not influenced by the Greeks, or not influenced by the Romans, what is Jewish tradition into how we break up a time? Is it into three or is it into four? And that's the conversation really that's being had here on a Peshat level. I'm not telling you that that's actually what they're discussing, but this is, there is an idea of three watches versus four watches. You know certain things. You know how... Uh, uh, things work in certain countries, they're natural to you that they work that way. So by the Jews, there's a, in their consciousness a Greek history and a Roman history. And we're trying to figure out which one is ours. Which system is our system. And I'm just going through the sugya here. I want to show you things 
that are important to pick up on. Yeah, you can read a Gemara and just fly through it. I don't know, for the life of me, how someone does dafyomi and understands anything they're studying. But there's value. There's value to learning big chunks of Torah at once. Because you, you cover ground and you remember. That's the truth. Is only if you remember things. If you don't have a good memory. Not everyone is blessed with a memory to remember everything they studied 20 years ago. You're flying at a pace that is it's almost not normal. I used to think people did an hour, an hour and a half of dafyomi. They finished a page of Gemara. Today I hear a five-minute Dafyomi podcast, 15-minute Dafyomi video. How do you finish a Daf? You can't even do Daf in an hour and a half. How are you going to do it in 15 minutes? The highlights of the Daf? Let me give you a suggestion. Let me give you a suggestion. You want to study Talmud? Study Talmud. Don't study all of the Masechtot that have no connection to your life. Just cut them out. You want a few Masechtot? Take Masechet Berachot. Take Masechet Shabbat. Take Masechet Megina. You want Ta'anit, fine. Masechet Roshana. Okay. If you, I just gave you now, I told you Megina, Sukkah. A few Masechtot that are important for you. And spend seven and a half years studying those few Gemarot properly. Learn them the Halakha. Learn the Rif. Learn the Ran. Learn the Rambam. Learn the Rosh. Come down to Shulchan Aruch. Learn the Bet Yosef. And then, and then... And then you'll know some Masechtot, you'll know Halakha well, you'll know all of the Agadot that are mentioned inside of those Gemarot. What more do you want from your life? Why take seven and a half years spending most of your time learning things you not, will not remember, but you didn't even have to remember in the first place? My advice, but who's asking me? V'alkol mishma. Do you know that we have Chachamim in the times of the Rishonim? The times of the Rishonim that were asked questions. I don't want to mention the names of the Rishonim because by today's Orthodox standards, they would be considered Ameharetz. Certain Rishonim who said, in our yeshiva, we never studied that order of Mishnayot and Talmud. We never studied it. Where did this idea have to know the whole Shas come from? You want to know everything? Of course, everybody wants to know, everybody wants to know everything. If you look at the beginning of Chovat HaLevavot, the author of Chavot Levavot, he mentions there a story about a chassid. Now, whether the, when he mentions a story about a chassid is referring to himself or he's referring to somebody else, you already can figure that out on your own. He has a student who asks him, in the words of the Chavot Levavot, a question regarding gitin, shalom a the, purely theoretical question in the laws of gitin. What do I mean a purely theoretical question? We made a list of 13 questions last week. I'll make you a list of 100 questions uh, uh, Orthodox Yeshiva would ask in today's world. 100 questions, all of them, the answers mean nothing to you and the questions are useless. What do you spend your time learning in Yeshiva? People, once was a Peres, we went to a bar mitzvah of a boy. At the age of 13, he finished the whole shas. Hara Peres said about him after he spoke, he said, this young boy is a baki bashas ve'am ha'aretz bayadut. He's an expert in shas and an ignoramus when it comes to Judaism. Who asked you to finish the whole shas by the time you were 13? Why? What, for what value? I know what I'm saying sounds different. So the hundred questions that are asked, the Ramchal writes in his introduction to Misat Sharim, Pilpulim shlonim t'chayavnu bahem. These are pilpulim thoughts that we're not obligated in. There's no mitzvah to study. It's not called learning Torah. So back to the Chavot HaLevavot. Ba'al Chavot HaLevavot says, 
that this rabbi, this chassid, when he was asked by his student this question, his rabbi told him, I am learning Torah for 35 years now. And I have never in my life had an extra moment to waste asking the question that you've asked. Listen carefully. In today's modern educational system, this would be considered a rude teacher, disrespectful, we'd fire them and destroy their career. This rabbi is not making fun of his student's question. He's saying it's a good question. But I didn't finish studying all of the Torah that I have to know before I'm going to start answering the questions I don't have to know. You have a limited time on earth. You have to use the amount of time that you have on earth to study things that are actually important to your life. You don't have time to do everything. There are some people, they want to be a doctor and a lawyer and an accountant and a nurse and they want to uh, be a professional football player and they want to go skiing and they want to be a pilot. and they want... yeah, yeah, slow down. It's wonderful to want to do all of those things. But you don't have to do all of those things. Choose one or two or three things you know how to do well and then you live the good life. Why your whole life you don't know how to prioritize the things that are good for you, that are important for you? We have the same problem in our Judaism. We have a limited amount of time on earth to learn Torah. Why are we wasting our time learning things we don't need to learn? Let's continue. Valkon Mishma. What I mean to tell you is, you cannot learn Daf Yomi. If you don't have the time to sit down and analyze the words of the Talmud, every word, why did Chachamim use these words? Why does it say, and on every watch? And I, what was the question I asked you? Instead of saying what? During every watch. Why did Chachamim say, and not Bechol Mishmar? The Siftei Chachamim writes, Two answers. One, derech kavod. It's out of honor to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that He is above the angels. This watch is referring to angels. He's above the angels. He's not with the angels. He's above them. Al kol on top of every watch, not in the midst of every watch. The second answer, that the voice of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, who is roaring now, this voice is louder. It's it's overpowering the voice of the angels. So another way, I'll call Mishma, not in, above. I ask you a next question. What is the significance of Yoshev HaKadosh Baruch Hu? HaKadosh Baruch Hu sitting down. Yoshev HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Magid Ta'aluma. Who knows who wrote the book Magid Ta'aluma? There's a book called Magid Ta'aluma. He's not a Sephardic Chacham, so if you don't know him, it's okay in terms of Sephardic knowledge, but you might need to know him in terms of your Hasidic knowledge. Rabbanit, who wrote the book Magid Ta'aluma? Okay, I'm going to ask this question. Who wrote the book Bnei Yisachar? Or as the Hasidim call it, the Bnei Yisachar. Where's the Rabbi now? She knows the answer to this question. The... I know that too, I forgot. Wow. Mm -hmm. I oh, okay. Bnei Yisachar is written by a Hasidic Rebbe from the town of Dinov, otherwise known as the Dinov or Hasidim. Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch Shapira of Dinov. He's a fascinating Hasidic Rabbi, obviously in Mekubal. 
he wrote a number of works that are very Kabbalistic and cryptic in that regard, but he has a commentary on the Talmud. And this commentary on the Talmud is called Magid Ta'aluma. In Magid Ta'aluma, Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch of Dinov Shapira, he writes, why does it say Yoshev HaKadosh Baruch Hu? HaKadosh Baruch Hu sits, sits and roars. What does that mean? Very good. Let me ask you this question. If you were right now walking down the street and you stubbed your toe, you'd scream? You'd make some kind of sound? Yes. Would you first sit down and then scream? That's not a natural way to get hurt and scream. Says Magita Luma, HaKadosh Bahu is not crying out of some random stab of pain. HaKadosh Bahu, it's b'mitkaven, it's b'hachana, it's something planned. HaKadosh Bahu plans, right now I'm sitting down, and well, obviously we're not sitting, but the term sitting down refers to something that HaKadosh Bahu does with intention. It's not a cry out of weakness. It's a cry that HaKadosh Bahu does because right now, this is the time to scream over something. And it's something that happens consistently. It's not sporadically. It's not every once in a while like Kadosh Baruch Hu screams. It's roars. It's consistently with, it's with intent. It happens on the schedule. Now when we say that Kadosh Baruch Hu roars like a lion, I asked you, what does it mean that Kadosh Baruch Hu roars like a lion? And I think the first and most important thing is to say that Rabhai Gaon, Rabhai Gaon writes, and it's important to know, that all of this is a mashal. Kadosh Baruch Hu doesn't roar. He doesn't roar like a lion. The Kadosh Baruch Hu is not sitting on a throne somewhere. There's none of this is happening in the sense that Kadosh Baruch Hu roars like a lion. It's not what it means. Rather, Chachamim are teaching us through these words. The Maharsham mentions it's very simple. The Pasuk says in Yirmiyahu, what did the Pasuk say? Read it to me. Adonai mimaro mishag. HaKadosh Baruch Hu from above roars. Umimon kochoiten kolon from his humble uh, from his holy abode he raises his voice. Shaogi shagan navehu he roars over his home. The the Mikra uses the word the Yirmiyahu uses the word yishag shaga shaga. Let me ask you a question: Which animal barks? Which animal barks? A dog. Which animal meows? A cat, very good. Which animal, I don't know, that sounds animals make. Which animal chirps? Which animal? A bird. A bird, very good. You got to understand? Which animal is the shoeg? Only an animal, shoeg is a lion. Now, could other animals? It could be. Could be there are places in the, in the, the Tanakh where other things roar. But says the Maharsham, that many places around the Tanakh, you find that the word Shaga is this roar of a lion. So therefore, when Navi Yirmiyahu uses this term, Shaog, uh, Yishag, then it's obvious to the Gemara that he's roaring like a lion. They didn't make that up. It's coming from the proof text that they're using. Magit Haluma, the same Rabbi Tzvi Hirsch of Dinov, he writes, what's unique about the roar of a lion is that a lion doesn't roar because he's scared. A lion doesn't roar because he's weak. A lion roars because he's strong. 
A lion roars to scare the living daylights out of you. That's why a lion roars. Other animals maybe chirp to get attention. Other animals do that. A lion roars because he's strong. It's a sign of strength. And it's something that puts fear of you. There was a video going around last year about a guy who went on a hike. And as he was hiking, a mountain lion found him. And so he started walking away, doing all the right things. And the mountain lion, I think for a mile and a half, didn't stop chasing him. Roaring, it has a crazy way that it runs to a person. Flapping arms, crazy. It's a lion, mamash a lion, living in America, not in Africa. That lion roars and you feel the fear of God inside of you. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I heard a lion roar at me, already probably I would have a ticket to, I didn't have to bite me, just I'm already don't lie about. So says the Bnei Sakhar that the Kadosh Baruch Hu roars to instill fear in who? This roaring instills fear in the Umot Aulam, in the nations of the world. You destroyed my Bnei Mikdash. I didn't forget it for you. My children are in Galut. The only reason the Jewish people have survived Galut is because over and over a Galut roars to scare the Goyim away from us. It's a protection he does of us. Yeah, we don't have a Ben Mikdash. Yes, we're not in Fine. But this roaring keeps people away from Am Yisrael. keeps them at a distance. They know that if they mess with Am Yisrael, their God is going to come after them. This language, this pasuk here, Adonai mimaron yishag, umimaron kodshoi ten kono, shaog yishag al nevehu. Last week I taught you, Peshat according to Rashi. Rashi says that the word she'aga is used three times. Right? Am I right? Yishag, shaog yishag. Says Rashi, Haregimel, there are three of them. So you learn the night is made up of three watches from this. Tell me another way that you can break up this pasuk into three. Without using the word shaga as, I mean three roars, break up the pasuk differently from me. Find me three things that HaKadosh Baruch does in this pasuk. Look at it. Somebody be brave and break up this pasuk for me. Let me help you out. Shita mekubetzet writes the following. Adonai mimarom nishag. HaKadosh Baruch roars from above. Number one. And the Kadosh Baruch Hu will raise his voice from above. Number two. Number three. He will roar over his home. That's number three. So it's not because the Pasuk uses the word Shaga three times, but because there are three things happening here at Kadosh Baruch Hu is raising his voice, that teaches us the number three. Does it make a difference? It doesn't make a difference. But I want you, when you read something, to remember two things. One, there are multiple ways to read one text and still reach the same conclusion. And number two, Rashi may be Peshat because he's on the page. But it's very important, when reading through any text, don't just look at the Mefarshim that are printed in the book. 
look at other Chachamim who are able to explain the same thing according to Pshat in a different way. That's Slach. Slach, again, one of my favorite works that ever came out of Ashkenaz. That's Slach, he asks the following question. Rabbi Eliezer, it's really nice this Pasuk you brought. HaKadosh Baruch roars three times. Where in the Pasuk does it say that there are three watches in the night? You agree with the question? Rabbi Eliezer is telling us there are three watches in the night and in every watch HaKadosh Baruch roars. Where does it say that? Very good. Very good. That's exactly right. He, it's a derasha, meaning the three watches are not mentioned at all. Rabbi Eliezer understands on his own that there are three things happening at night, three roars that are happening at night, so the number three must correspond to the other three that's happening at night, and those are the three watches. This is a derasha. And because of that, he's using his own creativity to reach this conclusion. Very good. That's the correct answer. I wanted to answer a few more questions, and because I started late, I'm going to call it a night on the right time. Chamor Noer. We mentioned the first sign is a donkey brain. Noer. Noer, I just mentioned to you last week, the Aruch. He writes that Noer is the word in Hebrew for the sound a donkey makes. It doesn't mean anything more than that's what Sheaga is to a lion. Noer is to a donkey. What barking is to a dog, Noer is to a donkey. Correct? That's the name of that sound. I asked you one question about singular, singular and plural. Someone help tell me what that question was. It says the donkey is singular, dogs are plural, and a woman is singular. Okay, very good. We said that the first sign is a donkey bringing one donkey. The second sign is... Dog, uh, dogs howling. Dogs howling is plural, not a dog which howls. Dogs howling. The third, a baby nurses from his mother, one. A woman speaks with her husband, one. Those are singular. Why the dogs are in plural and the first and last are singular? Someone help me out here. What ideas that you heard, that you thought of? Very good. So dogs are kind of like babies. When one starts, they all follow afterwards. Okay. Okay. So then it should just say one, because once he starts, everybody starts. This answer is found again in the writings of the Magid Taluma. It pains me when people only study the Kabbalistic writings of Surah Chachamim. And they ignore entirely the writings they gave us about Pipshat. Real good books. Real solid works. I'm sure that if you would ask people who spend their whole life studying the Bnei Sakhar and Chasidut, and you ask them about the book of Magid Ta'alumah, they don't even know what you're talking about. Almost positive. Magid Ta'alumah says, Chamor Noer, a donkey brace, a baby nurses, a woman speaks with her husband. All you need is one donkey bring to know that this time has come. You only need one baby nursing to know the time has come. You only need one woman speaking with her husband to know the time has come. By dogs, 
There's all kinds of reasons a dog barks. A dog barks because the mailman is coming. A dog barks because you're knocking on the front door. A dog barks because he's hungry. A dog barks he wants to go outside to the bathroom. A dog barks for, a dogs bark for all kinds of reasons. So how do you know when a dog is just barking? Or when it's the time that the dogs are barking? Because if one dog does it, it's not a proof. But if all the dogs in the streets are barking, that's exactly the time. That is the Ashmu'ah Hashniyah, that's the second watch. That's the answer, says Magitalumah. Now he wants to use this as a source, and here, don't hate on me, pet lovers. Listen, I have pets, I have birds, lizards, don't, don't. This one I don't have yet. He uses this as a proof that a person shouldn't raise a dog. Chamim seemed to have a decree that a person should not raise an evil dog in his home. I once studied this together. No, it doesn't make any difference. I'm not clear Chachamim said you can't have a dog. An evil dog. A dog that bites people. A dog that scares people. The Chachamim were afraid of a woman who's pregnant. And she sees a dog that's about to attack her. She'll drop her baby. She'll have a miscarriage. Uh, they bite people. They hurt people. Those kind of dogs, you're not allowed to raise them. By the way, are you allowed to raise, have anything dangerous around you? Chachamim, I was once with him. Someone's home. And they had this statue, like a, it has a, like a metal bronze, I don't know, statue that had a sharp point on top of it. It's a decoration. You go to people's homes that have all kinds of decorations. It's a decoration. And our parents asked the landlord, how much can I pay you to buy that from you? I thought it was very unusual. Our parents wanted to buy, I mean, well, our parents doesn't care about these statues. Why do you want one? And then I said, ah, maybe our parents doesn't want because it's like an idol. It's like an image. Who knows what it is? Some kind of avodah zarah. I asked the Rappel, I said, no, it's not Avodah Zarah, I don't even want it. I want to buy it so I can throw it in the trash. So why don't I throw it in the trash? He said, you see that sharp point? One day somebody's going to walk by here, a kid is going to come, they're going to fall, they're going to poke their eye out. This is dangerous to have in somebody's house. I know they're not going to throw it away, so I want to buy it from them so I can throw it away. How much money do you have to waste in order to do a mitzvah? Not waste, spend. A lot of money. That's what Arapelt wanted to do. He wanted to spend his money to buy something he didn't want in order to throw it away so the landlord wouldn't have suffering that they lost money because it was dangerous. Think about it. So he says from here, Rabbi Zvihirsh of Dinov, that if you had a dog at home, then Chachamim will talk about the dog that you have at home. But you don't have a dog at home. The dogs are only in the streets, many dogs in the streets. Because of that, you shouldn't have a dog. Now, I don't know that's a proof to anything. But he wrote it in there. And uh, it's, uh, I thought I would mention it because it's probably relevant to many people uh, who've had this conversation, whether they should have dogs, they shouldn't have dogs. Rabbi Tzvi Hershev Dinov wanted to use this Gemara to tell you you shouldn't raise a dog in your house. Okay. We have a few more questions left. They're not going to be done tonight. I'm going to ask you, uh, Marlene, how many questions did we answer so far? Um, we have 13, I think we answered about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 of them, at least 6 of them. Yeah, so al almost half the questions. Bezalel in the next class, I'm going to answer all the rest of them so that we finish this up at Peshat, and I'm going to start peeling back more layers of this Gemara. But please, what I said today, it took a lot of work to come up with all of these, Farshim here. They, I didn't find them on my own. There are different books that I used to find these things, but it's, it's important when you learn the Gemara to learn it well, to learn each word, to learn each phrase, to ask questions, not to stop. Don't take things uh, at face value. Dig a little more. But Hashem, I'm asking you for the next 
week that we won't be having a shiur next Thursday night. But in two Thursdays from tonight, uh, we'll be having a shiur. I'm out of town next week. That's the reason. I'm just not sure that I'll get back on Thursday in time for our shiur. So I'm just, I don't want to promise and then cancel. And we'll have a shiur in two weeks from tonight. And in two weeks from tonight, we're going to cover all the rest of the questions. And I ask you that you do what you did this last week. I saw many of you reach out to me with questions and you were looking at things. Take those questions and keep answering them until the next shiur. B'zalat Hashem, I hope to bring you some of the answers. Sha'alu b'metsudati that came up in my net as well. B'zalat Hashem. Everyone should have a beautiful evening. Laila